Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Don't you fast forward. I have a retcon. Things have changed in Slay. Listen up, you dirty damn junkie. I will tell you right after our intro. Empty Set Entertainment presents Slay, created by Scott Sigler and Rob Otto, performed by Scott Sigler. This story is intended for mature audiences only. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, my friend, and welcome to Slay episode 49. First off, the retcon. If you don't know the word, retcon stands for retroactive continuity. Authors and creators use this when they need to change something you've seen in earlier pages, books, episodes, movies, or when authors and creators need you to pretend that there was something in an earlier episode or book that actually wasn't there. For example, in Star Wars The Phantom Menace, the Force was changed from a mysterious, well, Force, to something created by creatures known as midichlorians. Now, while George Lucas claims midichlorians were always part of the plan, if you are my age, you remember seeing that movie in the theaters and turning to your friend and saying, what the hell? So, my retcon for Slay. Keep in mind, Slay will have many because of the weekly style in which I am writing this story. This particular retcon is super simple. Teddy Two Fingers thug Sophie Jankovic, the woman with the long orange claws, is now named Agnetha Jankovic because Sophia is Lincoln's sister. I'm not sure how we missed this, but we can't have a Sophia and a Sophie. It's too damn confusing. We were able to fix that for the podcast version of episode 48, but haven't yet gone back to fix it for episode 46 and 47. We will get to that soon. So in future episodes, when you hear the name Agnetha, now you know what the F is going on. In writing news, I am now 20,000 words into the Crypt Book 2's first draft. I don't know how long this book will be, so consider the 20k a solid down payment on your entertainment value. Now, let me get you caught up on Slay, and then we're all gonna go charm us some snakes. Previously on Slay. Lincoln's part-time gig as Delilah Droman's bodyguard has money once again flowing into the Old Stone Church. But it's not enough to get him, Magda, Ariella, and Billy out of debt, which is why Lincoln is off to the bayou to hunt down the Loa in Louisiana and collect the dead or alive bounty on her head. Billy finished his first lesson with Kellyus Droman. How did that go for Billy? Find out next on Slay, episode 49. With pain radiating through him, like the slowly dwindling echo of a cannon fire, and dragon whining and circling his feet like a thresher shark packing in fish, Billy stumbled into the nave. Tough day at school, Junior? Magda asked. Did you pass a note to that cute girl in history, and she checked no? She was sitting in a brand new leather recliner. One of two. And, hey, 
a new matching couch. Ariella was spending money again. Billy stumbled to the couch, collapsed into it. The instant his back hit the cushions, Dragon sprang onto his chest and attacked him with an energetic flurry of tiny tongue kisses. Billy scrunched his eyes and his mouth tight, gripped Dragon's chest, and held the dog slightly at bay, his fingertips scratching at her shoulders. She squirmed and lurched, trying to lick his face again. You're so funny, Mags, Billy said. A regular comedian. I hurt so much, it feels like my molecules will break down to the constituent atoms in any minute. But sure, go ahead, make fun of me. If you think people here aren't going to mock you when you're hurt, you pick the wrong old stone church. This couch was way nicer than the old one that had springs fighting their way through the tattered old blankets that kept them at bay. The pain echo faded a bit. Billy was home. Magda had her favorite blue bong angling from her lap to the crook of her right elbow. She held the ear cuff Link took from the lich in Lynchburg. Mags, did you know that psychodromin has something he calls the pylon of pain? I did not. Magda shifted the bong from her left elbow to her right. Is that inserted orally or rectally? It's this big black onyx thing, Billy said. Two stories tall. He made me put my hand on it and, and he made you stroke it real, real slow. Sounds like a tender moment, little bee. Billy sat up, set Dragon on the couch next to him. Her long furred tail swish swished. For eight hours, all I did was keep my hand on it while I sent pain. That's what he sent. All through my body. My only job was to try and stay calm. Did you? Billy closed his eyes, remembering how his body had revolted at the agony. Like being electrocuted, maybe, but ten times worse. Fire had curled out from his hands, miniature solar flares, searching for something to burn. Droman had doused the flames with the most casual flick of his fingers. Doused the flames, then told Billy, put his hand back on the pillar. Not so much, Billy said. Magda turned the ear cuff over and over in her fingers. Link's on his way to Louisiana, she said. In about 15 minutes, I gotta put this thing on. I'll be hunting with him again. Billy would have thought she would be excited. Didn't seem like she was. So... You being in Link's ear during a hunt, that's a, that's a good thing? Magda slowly turned the cuff. Yeah, she said. I guess. She sounded distant, not like herself at all. Max, you okay? She looked at Billy. Why wouldn't I be? He could take her at face value, or he could push a little. He sensed her stress. Her, was it fear? She had done so much for him. Maybe he could be there now for her. I don't know you all that well, Billy said, but I get the sense you're not fully on board with this. Magda eased back in the recliner, almost seemed to shrink into it. 
these stone walls been my whole world for a while, she said. The idea of going out with Link again, even as a, as a ghost of sorts, has me worried about, about, about having another flashback. Her eyes snapped up, bore into him. How did you know that, Billy? He shrugged. I saw what happened to you in that fight against the Rolling Outlaws. My guess is you remembered something really, really bad. During that brawl, Magda had come out like a pajama-wearing hurricane, had put two grown men down in the blink of an eye. Then, she'd seized up, had fallen into a fetal position. She'd had the battle won, yet her own mind had stopped her from finishing the job. I ain't no shrink, Billy said. But is this related to the Vestinian thing? When you got all, all hurt? Magda's fingers drifted to the three ragged, parallel scars running down the side of her face. I don't want to talk about it, she said. But she did. Whether she knew it or not, she did. Billy could sense it. Think of it this way, he said. If I do well in my training, I'll be part of this bounty hunting operation, right? I deserve to know more about the people I'm working with. You guys are putting your asses on the line because Vistinian is after me. You and I have a common enemy. I should know more about him, and I should know more about what he did to you. Magda's eyebrows rose. That's a smooth way to phrase it, little B. He nodded. I have my moments. She reached into her pajamas pocket pulled out a Ziploc bag of weed. She set it on her lap. I guess we brought it on ourselves, she said. Vestinian is a bad dude, a murderer, a slaver. He got fingers in many pies. He's also a shadow, real hard to find. Link and I wanted to bring him down, make a bigger name for ourselves. Just you two? What about the rest of the bastion? Vestinian, he's like some secret mafia don, Magda said. He's a puppet master. There's no direct connection between him and any of the horrible things he's behind. He wasn't on Bastion's list of targets. We figured it was better to ask forgiveness than permission. Forgiveness for what, exactly? Magda pulled some weed out of the bag, slowly packed the bong's bowl. We kill monsters, she said. All shapes and sizes. Vestinian is a monster. You do the math. Billy felt naive for even asking the question. We were digging pretty hard, Magda said. All off the clock, not on bashing time. We found out he had a place in Cordis, a castle. We went after him. Her fingers stopped packing the bowl. She didn't move. Somehow, somehow he found out we were coming, she said. Looking back, he played us like fools. Lots of rooms in that castle. We barreled in like idiots, thinking we were all that in a bag of chips. He had Skultian guards. Ah, uh, sorry, uh, Skultian? Think of a gorilla, but dark blue with a thick neck as long as your arm and a, a face that's... Pretty much a heavy plate of meshwork-laced bone. They're deadly, but most Rixitors can handle them one-on-one. -on -one. How many were there? 
At least 20, Magda said. Uh, that's not one-on-one. And we're not most rixators, Magda said. Lincoln unleashed? It's a thing to behold. And I was no slouch myself, at least back then. We killed a dozen Scotians. Real stand-up fight. Vestinian threw meshwork at us, but we handled it. We didn't know he was playing himself way weaker than he actually is. He slipped through a secret door and then he ran. She fished a lighter out of her pocket, went to light the bong, then stopped. I probably shouldn't get high before Link starts hunting. She stared at the lighter with the trembling hand holding it. Tell me the rest, Billy said. Magda put the lighter back in her pajamas pocket. It took her three tries. Link went after Vestinian, she said. I remember he told me, finish these bitches, and he just took off. Now, I told him not to go, that we had to stay together, but you know what? She laughed, the sound devoid of humor, the sound of regret. I told him the same thing dozens of times over our years together. It was never a problem. During any violent situation, Bastion partners are supposed to stay side by side. Even though they drill that into our heads all through training, Link would take off on his own. Both of us were so good at what we did, though, that was never a problem. She touched her scars again. Until it was a problem, Billy said. Right? Vestinian, he set you up? Magda made that gut punch of a laugh again. Yeah, it was a setup, she said. Link took off, and as soon as he did, six more Skultians came out of another secret door. Now, that wasn't necessarily a problem for me, mind you. Back then, I could handle my business. But Vistinian, he didn't send them to take me out. He sent them to slow me down, to create more distance between me and Link. She set the bong in the floor next to the chair. Dragon hopped off the couch and sniffed it. Vestinian led Link away, lost him, then circled back, Magda said. He hit me with a meshwork rope that bound me. She shrugged. Not the first time I faced something like that. Always got out of him before. Would have got out of that one, except that rope was timed just like the extra Skultians were. Before I could slip free as... Izuma talking. Big old clawed motherfucker with skin like iron. Came out of nowhere and knocked my ass flat. Those things are strong. Strong like I never felt before. I was out for a bit, but it didn't kill me. Vestinian had me bound tight. And the Uma talking started. started cutting me. She spoke so quietly, was so matter of fact about it, yet Billy knew inherently. She hadn't told the story in a long time, if ever. Speaking the words took a visible toll on her. Claws cut up my legs, my arms, and my face, Magda said. I don't know how long it lasted. Maybe an hour, maybe two. I couldn't move. I was helpless. Billy's heart broke for her the deadness in her eyes, the sag of her shoulders. If Link hadn't gone off on his own, 
You think Vestini and the Umatakin could have snagged you away? Magda's lips pressed together became a pursed dot. No, she said finally. One Rick's tour is bad news. Two, working together, is way more than the sum of the parts. And if one of those two is Lincoln Franks? She shrugged. Would Vestinian have won anyway? It's hard to tell. Maybe it was hard to tell, but it wasn't hard to know. Not for Magda. The look on her face expressed that better than words ever could. Lincoln had gone off half-cocked, leaving her exposed, and because of that, Magda's life had changed forever. So how come you live with Link? Billy asked. How come you don't hate him for that? Magda considered the question. Perhaps she didn't know the answer. The ear cuff vibrated in her hand. Time to go to work, she said. Would you mind making me a panini? Billy stood. Sure, Mags. What kind? Garlic parmesan on Dutch crunch. She put the cuff on her ear. Link, can you hear me? In the climate-ravaged world of 2072, the city of Pura stands as a miraculous green haven. Pura is a geoengineered paradise that protects its fortunate residents from the global catastrophes of heat domes, fires, floods, and droughts. In a time when the world outside is unsafe, it's vital for Pura's existence that people rally behind the purpose of the city, and Demetria Lopez, head of the city's public relations, tirelessly promotes its idyllic image. But when she stumbles on a dark secret that, if exposed, would be the downfall of Pura's existence, she must decide who and what she's willing to protect. From Wondery, the makers of Academy and Dr. Death, The Last City stars actors Ray Seahorn, Jeannie Tirado, and Maury Sterling. Follow The Last City on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of The Last City early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. On a remote island in frigid Lake Superior, a fabricated creature birthed from the mind of a disturbed genius stalks the very people who created it. Ancestor by number one New York Times bestselling author Scott Sigler is a classic tale of science gone horribly wrong. Available wherever you get your podcasts. There was no small irony in the way Lincoln spread his between cloak out across canoe and water alike. The cloak's dark gray coloring and ragged, irregular surface had been invented by Xosa warrior Rixator named Intaka back in the 9th century AD. Intaka had been inspired by watching the hunting techniques of black herons. The birds stand in the water and curl their wings around them like an umbrella. An umbrella that hides their raptor shape and blocks out the sun, making a shady spot for the fish that herons eat to hide in. With the cloak obscuring the outline of the canoe and him paddling away inside it, Lincoln was little more than a dark gray shadow sliding across the moonlit swamps 
duckweed-thick surface. This is wild, Link, Magda said. I can see what you see. Those words were more in his brain than in his ears, yet there was no mistaking her voice. Hearing Magda during a hunt was both thrilling and strange. Thrilling because it had been so long since their glory days of whooping ass and taking names together. And strange because, well, because it had been so long since their glory days of whooping ass and taking names together. Those days came to a harsh end when they'd ran afoul of Vestinian, something that was undoubtedly on Magda's mind as well. Her condition, her injuries, her agoraphobia, they were all Lincoln's fault. He bore that burden every minute of every day. But there was no point in bringing that up now. He'd said his apologies already. Thousands of them. Those apologies were, and always would be, worthless. Empty words didn't send you back in time to correct your mistakes. That sound, Magda said. Are those frogs? Lincoln had already tuned out the swamp's persistent, ambient drone. Only significant changes in that sound, or new sounds altogether, would catch his attention. Yeah, I think it's frogs, he said. And maybe some cicadas and shit. So, uh, you can also hear what I hear? He leaned onto one cheek and let out a short fart. Did you hear that gator croak? The fuck, Link? How old are you, seven? You, oh my God. Oh my God, I can smell it. I can smell the swamp too, but it's perfume compared to your ass. This connection thing is nasty. What did you have for lunch? Rotten possum guts stuffed with more rotten possum guts? Lincoln laughed silently as he paddled. Sight, sound, and smell. He had to hand it to Ariella. This connection was the real reason she'd wanted him to kill the lich in Lynchburg. She'd held that info back from him, but he understood why. If she told him the lich's earcuff could provide this level of connection with Magda, then couldn't deliver on that promise, it would have been disappointing to say the least. Lincoln missed working with Magda. He missed Magda, or at least the person she used to be. Lincoln and Shitbird had transited through Cordes to reach a mop closet of St. Martin de Tours Catholic Church in St. Martinsville, Louisiana. The Loa Bounty, like the Lich and Lynchburg, was another contract brokered by Lucius Palminteri, who had been waiting in the church for Link's arrival. Palminteri had driven Lincoln to the Atchafalaya Basin, a million acres of swamp, so much of it so primitive it looked like mankind had yet to appear on the continent. Once there, Palminteri had driven a swamp boat out into the endless expanse, finally dropping a canoe into the water, handing Lincoln an oar and saying, Go that way until you find it. The it in this instance was, supposedly, where the Loa lived. A dilapidated cabin out in the middle of all this nothing. Palminteri had brokered the bounty with locals who'd lost loved ones who'd assumed their deaths or absences 
where the work of the old witch had lived in the swamp. Palminteri babbled on about the Loa, but Lincoln hadn't really paid attention. It was too much on his mind. The excitement of having Magda with him again. His frustration at letting Teddy slip away. The thrill of ordering his new bike with Delilah. And it wasn't like Lincoln needed to listen. He'd killed Loas before. You've been paddling for a while, Magda said. Shitbird seen anything yet? Not yet. In places, the stinky swamp looked like flat ground, ready to drag down the unwary. The haze of Cimarron let Lincoln see almost as well as if it was daytime. He saw occasional gators slicing through the duckweed, visible only from the thin, black streaks of clear water they left in their wake. Two images suddenly popped into his mind. The first was four bags of oyster crackers. The second, an orange glow. A rectangular orange glow. Shitty sees a cabin, Lincoln said. Quietly, steadily, he closed the distance, slipping into a Rixator's zen-like hunting state where time didn't matter, where repetitive motions, like rowing, were relegated to some distant, autonomous part of his soul. Soon, through the sparse trees, he saw the ratty old cabin with his own eyes, about 200 meters out. A single story with a peaked roof, it stood atop vine-covered wooden pillars that kept it a good 10 feet above the water. An oil lamp glow lit the place from within, made the windows on either side of the door look like the rectangular eyes of some water demon. This is straight out of one of your awful horror movies, Lincoln whispered. Yeah, that's some evil dead shit right there, Magda said. Magda didn't have to whisper, because she wasn't there, in visual distance of Swamp Witch's voodoo palace. Link, you see any snakes in the water or round the cabin's poles? He saw neither. I'm sure there's snakes everywhere, he said. I'm not interested in the fauna right now. Big snakes, Link. You didn't read the binder? I skimmed it, he said. I didn't see anything about snakes. It was in the second paragraph, you ADD-addled dumbass. The second paragraph? Maybe he needed to take a little bit more time with these bounties. At any rate, it was really Palminteri's fault. He should have told Lincoln. Although, come to think of it, maybe Palminteri had mentioned snakes. Maybe a couple of times. I don't care, Lincoln said. I want to get this over with. I'm going in. Link, wait, Magda said. Don't rush forward. I got this. Lincoln dug his paddle blade into the water. Easy peasy. I'll just, when I tell you to wait, you fucking wait. Lincoln froze. The anger in Magda's voice. She hadn't spoken to him like that in years. Come to think of it, maybe she had never spoken to him like that before. So raw, so full of pain and rage. He slowed the canoe, brought it to a full stop. I'll, uh, I'll chill here for a bit, he said. A pause. Lincoln waited. 
Had the connection broken? Uh, Mags, just how big are we talking? World record big, Magda said. Her voice back to normal. Or at least a semblance of normal. Some side and say around 30 feet long. That's probably 600 pounds snake. And their hide is meshwork. You ain't lopping off their heads with one swing of bastard maker. Well, that was only a theory, right? How could Lincoln know until he tried? Far off to his right, a ripple of movement across the weed-covered black water. A huge ripple. Lincoln sat very still. He mentally signaled to Shitbird to give him a top-down view. Seconds later, he had it. Blazing hells. That was one big fucking snake. It undulated through the water, weaving toward the cabin. Thirty feet? Hard to tell in the water. Maybe it was even longer. A black streak as wide as his arm was long. If he hadn't heeded Magda's warning, if he'd continued on, that snake could have come up behind him, could have surprised him, wrapped him up, and dragged him to the bottom. The beast reached the cabin, wrapping its body around one wooden pillar, then another, then another. Thirty-plus feet of dark reptile curled around three posts at once, strands of duckweed clinging to its scales. I see the snake, Link whispered. I see what you see, remember? I don't need to see shit to know you're considering another one of your macho-ass duels. Mano a mano with Loa, right? Lincoln wanted to go in and evaluate the Loa for himself. Smell her aura and find out if she had done the things the locals had accused her of. If so, he would give her a chance to surrender. That was the honorable thing to do. If she wanted to fight and die, he'd humor her. If she did surrender, he could take her in, collect the reward, then turn her over to the bastion and let them decide her fate. I haven't decided yet, Lincoln said. I'm sending Shitbird in for a peek. He closed his eyes, willed the raven, who identified as a crow, to zip past the cabin for a look-see. Somewhere, up in the darkness, Shitbird dove, then leveled out and silently glided past the cabin. His speed took him past windows for only a fraction of a second, but in that fraction, he saw inside and passed the visual to Lincoln. Lincoln's blood chilled. He felt as cold as the swamp water around him. The Loa wasn't alone. Three people in the cabin with her. Two adults, one child, all skinned. Their bodies hung upside down, dangled above a ratty old wooden table covered with the tools of dark meshwork. Glass jars containing eyes, a heart, maybe a liver, a smoking brazier, bloody knives, a gore-covered stone mortar and pestle, tacky blood and bits of cartilage and bone stuck to the handle, and a skinned human hand. The man's hand? The woman's? Hard to tell. The two rats chewing away at the exposed muscle 
didn't seem to care one way or another. The victims' bodies, twisted and broken, as if they'd been crushed before the loa cut away their skin. That big snake. It had coiled around them, squeezing so tight, bones snapped, shattered. Shitbird show me victims in a cabin, Lincoln said. Three of them. Maybe a family. She's harvesting them, Mags. Looks like eating them, too. Sometimes, in the freelance world of bounty hunting, with the privilege of taking contracts or passing them by, Lincoln forgot that darkness existed. And in that darkness lurked monsters that preyed upon the weak. Sometimes, Lincoln forgot why he had become a rixator in the first place. To destroy such evil wherever he found it. And sometimes, Mags reminded him. We are the weapons that slay the wicked, Link, Magnus said. This is all we need. The last time he had heard the statement of sacrifice while hunting had been, damn, had been when he and Mags had tried to bring down Vestinian. This is all we want, Lincoln said. It felt good to say the words. It felt even better to have someone to say them with. This is all we are, Magda said, her voice as cold as Lincoln felt. Forget bringing that bitch in alive. Use the ding-dong big schlong. Lincoln reached into his cloak. Without taking his eyes off the cabin, he pulled the four-foot-long Barrett M80 rifle from within the endless folds. The canoe bobbed slightly, offering no fixed position. He didn't care. He pulled the stock to his shoulder. Through the scope, the distant window and its warm orange glow looked as large as life. His angle let him see the biggest corpse dangling upside down above the table. Flies buzzed across exposed muscle, swarmed in the cavity where the man's stomach and intestines had once been. Dark shadows filled empty eye sockets. His skinless smile blazed. Lincoln slowed his breathing. He calmed himself, timed the canoe's oh-so-slight movements, adjusted for them. The loa walked past the window, but on the table's far side, more a dark shape than a human form. Lincoln waited. Through the scope, he saw the flies buzz and swarm. Movement. The loa was coming around the table. She'd walk between it and the window. Link let out a slow breath, heard the air sliding from his lungs. The loa walked into view, the right side of her face caught in the crosshairs. Lincoln fired. The 50 caliber round closed the 2,800 foot distance in a quarter of a second. He had aimed for the temple, but hadn't timed the canoe's movement quite right. The bullet hit the woman's jaw just below her ear, shattering her mandible. As the bullet traveled through her head, exiting at her left cheekbone, it kicked out an expanding cavitation wave 
that pushed her brain against her skull with so much force, the bone fractured from the inside in a dozen places. A part of her skull popped open, gray matter pushing out like a burst zit. The loa dropped, hitting the cabin floor several seconds before the mist of her blood and brain settled around her. The giant snake slid away from the wooden posts and closed in on Lincoln with harrowing speed. Lincoln slid the Barrett into his cloak. He drew his hatchet, bastard maker. Time to put that theory to the test. You have been listening to Slay, created by Scott Sigler and Rob Otto, performed by Scott Sigler. Copyright 2024, Empty Set Entertainment. For more info on Scott Sigler, his novels, short stories, and podcasts, visit scottsigler.com. Theme music is the song They're Watching Me by the band Super Weapon. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.